Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Nicole Perry, Strategy Director of Digital Business Growth at 11FS. In today's episode, we're asking, can TikTok teach us all we need to know about finance? Unless you've been living under a rock for the last two decades, the rise of social media has been virtually impossible to avoid. And with a huge impact on how we connect, shop and even place value on ourselves in today's society. But the explosion of TikTok, the short vertical video platform from Chinese company ByteDance, has been something of a game changer and even dethroning Google to become the world's most visited website in 2021. So today we've put together a panel of experts to discuss how do financial services interact and educate through this platform? What are the challenges for financial services when it comes to TikTok? And what comes next? We'll discuss all of this and more in today's show. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. As you gear up for autumn, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier. Tap into the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. Create a job post in minutes and spread the word so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to find candidates with just the right skills and experience. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires compared with leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash fintech. That's linkedin.com slash fintech. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, well, let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of amazing guests who can shed some light on this super interesting topic. So first up, we have a return to Fintech Insider for Nick Milanovic, who is editor of This Week in Fintech. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Can you give our audience a little recap about you and the This Week in Fintech publication? Thanks so much for having me back on, Nicole. It's really good to be uh, back here. I've been working in Fintech for a little over a decade now, and This Week in Fintech tries to provide a uh, concise weekly summary of all the fintech news in the world um, on a recurring basis to our 30,000 readers. Nice. Thanks so much. 30,000. That's that's quite the number. So congratulations on that. Uh, I am a fan of the publication myself. So oh, thanks thank for you. all that you, that you do there. All right. Next up, we have a fintech insider debut for Catherine Winter, who is managing director in financial education and community outreach at the London Institute of Banking and Finance. Welcome, Catherine, and welcome to the show. Could you give our listeners a little bit of information about you and your role there at the London Institute of Banking and Finance? I can. Thank you, Nicole, and thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, I am the managing director here, and we are an educational charity. We're 140 years old. And we provide financial education to young people um, in the UK and internationally. So we've delivered to about over about half a million young people. And so we are, in one respect, a bit of a traditional exam board. So we provide qualifications in finance and personal finance. But I also manage our community and outreach work. So we do work with homeless charities, women's refuges, uh, children's homes, people leaving care, you name it, we do it. Um, and the idea is we just want people to be more financially capable um, because we know that there's a huge need and demand out there for young people to want to learn about financial education. 
Thank you. That's great, Catherine. What an incredibly rewarding role that must be. Um, such a fascinating space and yeah, so many different ways to help and yeah, potentially TikTok's one of them. So I'm sure I'm sure we can have a bit of a debate about that on yeah. on today's show. Um, and last but by no means least, we have a return to FinTech Insider for Rajan Lakhani, Head of Public Relations at Plum. Great to have you here again, Rajan. Can you give us a recap on Plum and your role there? Hi, Nicole. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back on. My name is Rajan Lakhani and I head up PR for the Smart Money at Plum. Uh, Plum helps people to save, invest, manage their spending and budget as well. Um, we recently launched commission-free investing across different European countries and we have just over 1.4 million customers. Brilliant. Thank you so much. All right, well, let's dive into today's show. Okay, so let's start by looking at how the relationship between finance and TikTok stands today. And I just wanted to start with a bit of a, a quick icebreaker. Um, TikTok, you know, used by millions and lots of different pieces of content on there. I'd like to hear from each of you. When did TikTok first appear on your radar? Do you actually have it? And can you remember the first video that you saw, or perhaps uh, if you're a, a regular user, what your personal favourite has been? Catherine, we'll come to you first. And maybe that's because I'm the oldest in the room. I I'm not sure whether that's a good selection. Yeah, I mean, I've got two teenage daughters. I've got a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old. And obviously, they're quite into social media. I think I can remember it kind of coming onto the scene a good three or four years ago. I'm not a big social media person myself, to be really honest with you. I, I do look on it and I think... The thing that tends to kind of intrigue me is the ridiculousness of some of the stuff. <laughs> I, I remember seeing one of what somebody that I have loved forever and a day, Rod Stewart, doing a very bizarre dance with his wife, and you know, it getting millions of hits, and not quite understanding why that was why someone would actually want to watch it because it was so bizarre. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not a big social media person to be really honest with you. So I think I'd have to say. I don't watch a huge amount of stuff on TikTok. Okay, fair enough. And uh, I'll need to dig out that Rod Stewart number myself. Uh, Nick, what about you? Do you have it? I am a TikTok consumer, self-confessed, uh, but not a producer. I don't add any content. I just take it all in. My little brother is a millennial, but I think he's somewhat of a Gen Z whisperer. So he was the one who first got me onto it. And I remember my friends making fun of me for being a TikTok user. And now I feel like, um, anyone uh, age 35 and under has a, a subtle TikTok addiction. Fair. I, I mean, I'm personally not demographic myself and I, I don't actually have TikTok. So maybe I'm the outlier there, but um, I feel that I don't have it for fear of going down many, many rabbit holes rather than because I maybe don't enjoy the content. But there, there we go. Maybe after today, I, I'll, it'll be time. It'll be time. And what about you, Rajan? Yeah, I'm not in the demographic that Nick mentions. I won't say any more as I'll be giving away um, my age there. But um, yeah, and I've got two young daughters, although I think both of whom are, are too young for TikTok. They're six years old and one year old, so uh, a little too young. But um, in terms of TikTok, it's not something yeah, I, I, I personally use, but I know because of what we do in terms of our marketing at Plum, uh, TikTok is a potentially important channel. So it's something that you know, I'm aware of and and uh, keep tabs on. And in terms of what I've seen before, what's really impressed me, I think it was particularly a lot during the pandemic and, and some of the content that came out was really, really hard hitting and, and really engaging. So a lot of that impressed me. And then I think some of the 
kind of fun uh, musical trends and seeing some music artists that are from the 70s or 60s and all of a sudden they've had a resurgence in popularity like you know Fleetwood Mac and Kate Bush and hearing about that so uh, that's been um, interesting to see too. Yeah I think even though I don't have it I'm kind of obviously aware of it and I think what I read and hear about it is that the algorithms are so nuanced that actually you get such an explosion of different types of content whereas other social media platforms are I've now got such tight parameters around the algorithm that actually it's not quite as exploratory as it used to be. You know, I used to find great stuff on Instagram, but now it's just all the same people with the same type of content, whereas TikTok's actually just got that masses of diversity. So, yeah, as I said, maybe today is the is the day for me to, to download it and see how it goes. Maybe I'll be convinced um, after the show. All right, so in terms of financial education, Nick, at what, at what point, you know, when do you feel that TikTok first appeared as something that could actually be taken seriously as a tool for financial education? I think it appeared too early as something that could be taken seriously. I think we're not meant to take TikTok seriously. There's a, actually a Twitter account called at TikTok Investors that you can check out. And it has kind of a, a greatest hits or maybe worst hits, if you will, of bad financial advice posted by TikTok influencers. And I I mean, it's kind of a broader point about social media. When you think about YouTube, when you think about Facebook or Twitter or TikTok, the benefit is um, it's a great platform for democratizing uh, anybody's ability to create a following for themselves and really broadcast their content. So if you have, you know, the discovery of great musicians like Maggie Rogers through social media who wouldn't have been discovered ordinarily, um, it's amazing because it can create that kind of access. But the problem is that um, unlike traditional media platforms, which may be a little bit more gated, there's not a quality check. And so um, this uh, at TikTok investors account is pretty eye-opening for the, the range of bad financial advice you'll find people posting. Yeah, it certainly felt, well, for me, you know, hearing about it, that there had been such an explosion of content around around that subject matter. And we've kind of gone from it being really user-generated stuff to actually now brands taking this seriously. I mean, Rajan, you said that, you know, it's important to you because it's important to um, the fintech that you work for and the brand kind of having a presence there. He tells a little bit more about Plum's approach to that and, and your personal feelings about whether TikTok can be used for financial education or not. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, um, particularly um, with TikTok. I think it's what you were saying earlier, Nick. I think you've got to go to where your audience are. Um, and it's really important. I think if you look at what's going on in the current climate with the financial challenges that everyone is facing, cost of living challenges, what's happened to the pound this week, mortgages rising, um, and, and that will have an impact on rent um, as well for younger people um, who, who may not own a home. It, it's, it's a widespread impact and finding the tools that you can use to communicate with them and help educate them around what they could be doing, what they could be thinking about during these times is really important. So I think TikTok provides a tool to meet people where they're at rather than expecting you to come to their website and and, and check you out. I think, again, going back to what Nick said, I think making sure that you get that tone of content right. It's not a, a channel where you can be kind of serious and, and, and DAO particularly. It's about making sure that your content is entertaining and engaging, but equally making sure that you are being educational and, and abiding to the regulations, not only the, the letter of the regulations, but the spirit um, of, of the regulations um, as well. And, and doing that while making sure your content is entertaining is, is a difficult balance and one that we work really hard um, at Plum to make sure uh, that, that we're meeting. 
Yeah, I think... You know, some of the examples there, about, you know, the cost of living crisis, there's there's actually some really useful content on TikTok. And as you said, it comes to people rather than people having to hunt down this information and different guides and ways to do things. And typically that sort of help, financial help, hasn't been very engaging before. Whereas actually, if you can see a real life person doing that, you know, using envelopes to store different pots of cash and you know hints and tips about you know maybe how to be a bit more frugal or how to manage your spending seeing other people doing it is, is somewhat inspiring I suppose to be able to invite that into your own life and kind of on that topic we know that citizens advice is actually on TikTok Catherine what what's your thoughts on that considering you kind of share some of the same values as, as that organization yeah I think it, it's really interesting I think if if you approach it from a slightly different point of view what we know is there's a huge appetite for, you, for for everybody, I think, to be more aware. I think you've made a really good point, Nicole. I was going to make the point about cost of living. You know, it feels like economics and understanding how an economy works and how finances work has become a sexier topic than it ever was. I think, you know, for young people, I think what happened in America with Trump, that that, that created more interest in politics. What's happening at the moment... Um, with what's going on in the world, generally understanding how everything flows into each other and we live in a big global world it is more interesting to young people. And I think they're, they're, they're more interested in learning about finances. They're hearing it at home, maybe from their parents, aunts, uncles or themselves. They're worried about money and the cost of living. And I think it's really interesting that TikTok is a place where people originally might have gone for something that's light-hearted but now it's it's a forum where and we know there's a huge explosion of young people going to find out about money and I think someone like Citizens Advice which is what you asked me is particularly interesting I think everybody's starting to realise that you know they've got a traditional format for passing information over to people and they do amazing work um, Citizens Advice um, as do someone called Money and Pension Service, which is actually a government quango. And there's some great advice on there. Um, but not everyone knows where to access that. And I think having these kind of smaller snippets of information, um, I know we're probably going to talk about it later. It's, it's about what's regulated and not regulated and whether advice is good or bad advice. They're much, much bigger questions. But, you know, I think we do have to take TikTok seriously in the respect that it's definitely a forum where young people or, or or people in general, obviously I particularly work with young people, but people are going to get um that information. And I think I think it's really good actually in a way that some of these older organizations are embracing that and kind of going out with that content. Because anything that makes it easier to find content that's helpful is really important. I, I suppose my kind of caveat on that is, is it, is it, is it good content? <laughs> is it useful content? But I would hope from citizens advice, I think it would definitely be that. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And, you know, having a provider like citizens advice be on board with this, it kind of it gives it an, a, some element of credibility, I suppose. Um, okay, last one on this one, Rajan, just your thoughts on how important this medium has become to financial services. We know that brands like Monzo, Revolut, Starling, Plum, yourselves, are putting time and effort into TikTok videos and content. Do you think that this is here to stay? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I completely agree with Catherine. I think that there is a greater interest in what's going on economically and financially, uh, given the environment that we're in. And people are engaging much more with the finances out, out of necessity. So TikTok is a channel that people engage with a lot in terms of 
finding out what's going on, um, seeing what trends are out there. And so there is that room to meet people where they are and, and provide that um, information in a, um, in a more engaging and entertaining way. So I think it is something that's here to stay. I think the challenge for financial services companies is making sure that that content is creative, is different, is original. It can't just be taking what you've created in one social media channel and then putting it into TikTok and seeing whether it works. You, you've got to understand your audience. You've got to understand what, what TikTok does uh, differently. But I think as financial services uh, companies use it more and see what works and what doesn't, then that will help them to create more engaging content. And, and then that becomes a more important uh, channel for them. So it creates that virtuous circle of engagement moving forward. Thank you so much. Really, really interesting insights. You know, and it, it feels like from this conversation that TikTok's not going anywhere fast. So from in terms of where we are today, Nick, do you think that regulation has kept up with this explosion of financial education on social media so far? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I'm sure that'll be different in different countries. You know, Catherine and Rajan bring up a great uh, set of points, which is you have to be able to decide, um, you know, what's good advice versus bad advice and what's, um, you know, financial advice versus what's an advertisement for, for a specific service. Um, and when you look at how the financial services industry is regulated, in a lot of places, um, you will have specific regulations for brokers versus financial advisors where their obligations are different um, based on whether they're trying to sell you something or whether they're supposed to be a dispassionate provider of financial advice in your best interest. Um, and I think, you know, if TikTok as a platform is the main channel through which young people are getting financial advice, we'll probably have to get some kind of regulations that help people differentiate between um, who's actually credentialed and who's not, or um, what's advice versus an ad. But there's an old saying that uh, maybe a little bit dark that uh, all regulations are written in blood. And the idea is basically you have to have some kind of big mess up or a big pain point for the regulation to actually get put in place here. And so we're starting to see the early signs of this in crypto where you had the ICOs in 2017 and now uh, all these somewhat dubious uh, NFT and DAO projects that, um, you know, pumped and then dumped uh, over the last year, where you're starting to see a little bit more regulations about having to disclose your stake and, um, you know, having to, you know, file prospectus or something for an offering. Um, I'm sure that we'll see something similar as these other channels grow. But I, I totally agree with Catherine and Rajan that it's great to see uh, companies and nonprofits finding new ways to reach young people. Um, because this topic is just so critical at the start of life where you're developing your financial habits. Yeah, completely agree. And an interesting parallel that you've drawn from some other parts of the industry. I was thinking myself that, you know, is there a debate around that you sort of have to let these new disruptive industries or ways of living, being, working to sort of mushroom to allow that innovation to grow and then you sort of place the parameters around it or, or actually should it be the other way around? And yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to bad financial advice, some things should just be absolutely fundamental. I know that TikTok had, you know, stopped the kind of advertisement of financial products through influencers, which like that as a concept literally makes my skin crawl. So that should absolutely be in place from the beginning. But I suppose there's some debate around how far they should be able to go outside of that. So just kind of following on from that that topic, Catherine, how does the financial industry prevent harmful or bad 
financial advice uh, sort of in general? And is there anything that we can learn from that and, and bringing that to TikTok and other social media platforms? God, that's a that's quite a tough question. <laughs> that's the biggie, um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is. I mean, I suppose it, it's really difficult, isn't it? it it's, it's almost that idea of, reg- this comes back to the point of regulation in a lot of ways. And the idea of should financial services be regulating themselves or should someone else be regulating what they're putting out? You know, it's, it's quite difficult that, so I have met and spoken with lots of, of certainly the big banks um, and building societies in the UK around, you know, wanting to put out kind of, you know, financial education material. And we often check and accredit the stuff that they, they want to put out. But it's it's quite difficult in a way to, to say to what degree they should, you know, to what degree who should be regulating what it is they, they put out there. And I think one of the things at the moment we've got politically is we seem to have a move away from regulation um and uh, uh, i i don't see that going in any other direction i'm not going to really comment on whether i think i remember living through two th- 2008 and much earlier issues with um crashes in financial with interest rates and crashes in financial services so um i'm not sure i'm particularly that much of a fan of it so i don't really know if that answers your question but i i think it's it's quite difficult to to decide I don't know if I'm making myself very no, no, I, <laughs> very clear. I agree. And, and when it's a creator-led economy or a creator-led platform, how do, one, what rules do you make? And two, how do you enforce them? So I think, you know, there's a big challenge on, on the hands of, of the regulator to, to get their arms around this. And so it'd be interesting to see see how that develops over, over the next couple of years. And I suppose particularly with the kind of economic circumstances that we're in now, how much will that drive people more to using it? Will it drive more regulatory attention to platforms like this? It will, it will remain to be seen. But on the topic of economic circumstances, I'd love to get your thoughts on whether sort of economic downturns and, and where we find ourselves today, does that make the need for stricter rules more important? And do you think that it will change the type of content that people need? Rajan, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I think rules are important at any time, whether through a downturn or, or an upturn. You know, when the economic going was good, when there were lower interest rates, and and people were you know, investing and 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 putting more money aside for for in, in doing more higher risk activity, they were less kind of strict rules then, and, and that may have led to people uh, taking the the wrong decisions. So, and now there is a downturn, people might feel the um, financial impact more, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be stricter rules uh, before. So I think those rules are important at, at any point. Uh, my understanding is, you know, th- there's been reviews by different uh, newspapers. I think the Telegraph viewed several videos that directly encouraged hard up users to start taking part in credit card fraud. There's been notorious uh, videos around um, crypto and encouraging people to um, take the risk. So it's it's really important that at any time those rules are in place, um, whether during an economic downturn or an economic upturn, because during an upturn, there's more opportunities, um, arguably, and, and during a downturn, that financial impact uh, is harder. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Nick, thoughts on content? What, what do we think will, will change, uh, you know, if it will at all? Good question. We have to bring the content thoughts to the, uh, to the power user. <laughs> um, you know, something that I really like about 
the shift to TikTok and its adoption, you know, particularly among young people, is I think that it signals um, a need for and a desire for authenticity. If you look at um, kind of the evolution of social media over the last 20 years, um, Facebook and Instagram quickly became ways for people to share very curated versions uh, of their lives and, um, you know, really kind of handpick the images of themselves that they were putting out to the world. And I think, you know, people, young people who, you know, grew up in the last 20 years may have been a little bit disappointed by the kind of lack of authenticity behind that, um, by these people with, you know, very kind of carefully crafted images of what they're doing. And that applies as well to, um, you know, influencers um, who were pushing products based on this, you know, somewhat unrealistic image that they're putting out there. If you look at, you know, Vine, which Twitter acquired um, back in the, uh, you know, mid-teens, and then TikTok, which is kind of the, you know, next instantiation, it's all about authenticity. It's all about posting your real self. This platform that's starting to gain a lot of steam now, and who knows, maybe it'll be the next TikTok called Be Real. If you don't know how it works, you're just pinged at one point during the day to post a photo of yourself. You can't edit it. There's no filters or anything. You just post the photo to your immediate friend group, and it's non-public. But I think it's um, you know, all part of, it's all indicative of this move towards authenticity. And so, Nicole, to the point that you were making at the beginning, you know, you have a lot of people who are real people going through real circumstances who are posting what works for them, you know, putting money in envelopes and being able to bracket it. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, as Catherine was saying, rather than having this kind of dry um, legalistic content that you might have, um, you know, on a bank website or a nonprofit website, people can actually understand and identify with this. And it's so important when you're young, start developing those habits. So in my mind, to get back to the original question, instead of just giving this kind of lengthy preamble, um, I think that the uh, content is hopefully going to continue to be more and more authentic, where people aren't afraid to show their real circumstances. And not just what's worked for them, but also what hasn't worked for them. Um, you know, as Rajan was saying, you know, um, you kind of need regulations at all times, and, and corrections aren't necessarily a bad thing. And so I think it's important for people to um, kind of demonstrate, you know, not just what works, but also what doesn't work um, and leave users to kind of triangulate their own uh, financial education through that. Very well said, I, I have to say. All right, we're just going to take a quick pause here back very shortly. As the leading open banking platform, Tink enables the largest banks, lenders and payment providers to offer exceptional user experiences. Tink offers the best way to connect to banks across Europe to build seamless services that can reach more than 250 million consumers. And they're already doing this for the likes of American Express, PayPal and Revolut. To get started with data-driven solutions for customer onboarding, making better risk decisions, or for instant bank payments with the highest conversion rate in the industry, visit Tink.com. This year, 11FS are heading to Vegas for Money 2020. Come and see us on stand K2310, where our Pulse team will be ready to chat all things UX and show you the very best user journeys from around the world of FS. That's not all. Also, we'll be recording two live episodes of FinTech Insider, where you can come and watch and get a bit of a peek behind the mics. It all kicks off on the 23rd of October. See you in Vegas. Okay, so let's now move on to what's possible going forward. Rajan, thoughts on how long will TikTok last for? Wow, what a question. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to make a, a big prediction here. I think that it's so much competition when it comes to 
the social uh, media companies and they're constantly adapting and taking ideas uh, from one another. I think that's the challenge that they keep taking ideas from one another. They don't become completely so similar that there isn't that much change um, beyond the brand. And I, I don't think that's happened quite yet, but you are seeing um, them, them converging in a lot of ways. And I think that's been kind of at the heart of TikTok success. Um, you know, they did something quite different and that's engaged a, a broader audience. And now some of the other social media companies are, are trying to catch up um, in doing that. As long as, you know, they keep developing, um, they keep innovating, they keep adding new features, then there's less reason why TikTok can't continue to grow and, 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 and build a new audience. I think that'll be the key challenge, particularly given the demographic that they have, they have which tends to be younger. Um, you know, they may want to move on to something else um, over time that gives them something different. So I think as long as they keep innovating and introducing new features, um, you know, they, they could be here for a while yet. Yeah. yeah, there's been some commentary from some sort of marketing blogs and whatnot that, well, actually one of the pitfalls is that there's no scheduled content, but actually surely the whole value proposition and premise is the spontaneity of it. And I think that's what people love. But yeah, interesting points you make in terms of kind of the sustainability is that as of that as a model. And I wonder if they'll just stay as this vertical video bit crazy platform or actually they'll try to encroach into other industries and other areas. And Nick, I, I know you've got um, an opinion on that. You actually wrote for the 11FS unfiltered newsletter that the killer digital wallet will not come from a fintech company. It will come from a social media platform. Can you just explain a little bit more about that for us and your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I should add an asterisk there. I think that in order to really scale a great consumer product, as Catherine was saying, you have to go to where consumers are. Um, and consumers, maybe we should put it in more frank terms, people, everyday people, spend a lot of time on social media platforms. Um, and so when you think about um, where a digital wallet can be of the most use to you, it's in the engagements on the platforms that you spend most of your time on, whether that's living in email or living in Instagram or living in TikTok. Um, you know, that's where a lot of your engagements happen. And so that's where it's really helpful to have a wallet to enable uh, the transactions that require money. Um, and so, uh, you know, regardless of who's building, you know, the, the killer end-all be-all digital wallet, the way that people are likely to access it is going to be um, spending time in the digital platforms that they spend time in. And so the digital wallet, whoever builds it needs to be accessible through TikTok or through Instagram or through Facebook or through Messenger or through WhatsApp. Um, so I think that that's where people are likely to onboard to the next killer digital wallet. And, you know, some of the younger demographics, if they've got an association with TikTok as a brand that they love, actually, if TikTok can bring them joy and education, what's to stop them from feeling like it can also provide for their financial needs and help them pay? So, yeah, a really, really interesting thought. Um, just, yes, you should, if, if you've not read it, I'd really encourage um, people to get involved with the, the article itself to hear a bit more of, of Nick's thoughts. Okay, in terms of, of generations, Catherine, do you think we'll see more generations moving on to the platform? You know, teens and people younger than 30 make up nearly half of TikTok's users in the US, but 11% of them are actually 50 years old um, or older. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on this one? I think we probably will in reality. I think that the the way in which TikTok engages with us kind of seems to tick something psychological that we, you know, that that we like. I think it drives certain behaviors in that it's it's short, sharp bits of information and there's something 
in our psyche that quite likes that. And they've certainly got a younger generation coming through who, I mean, when I was teaching in a school, it was a big problem for young people to concentrate for more than five or 10 minutes at one thing. And I think some of that is the backlash of social media and that constant bombardment of information. I don't know whether it will be TikTok. They may be driven on to something different if something comes along and replaces it and is better. I, I did just want to add here that we, we do a piece of research, academic research, every year with young people 18 to 25. Well, actually younger, sorry, it's, it's actually 14 to 25. And we always ask them, do you want to know more about finances and financial services? And where do you want to know that? And how do you want to be taught it? And every single year we've been doing it for, for over 10 years now, the data just goes in the same direction that is, yes, we do want to know more. Actually, most people, it's something like 80, 90% say they would rather be taught in a formal educational environment. Because I think what they get from TikTok is it's interesting. Maybe it's a, maybe the positivity is it's a sweetener or a gateway to, 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 you know, if you see something about investment, you might think is interesting or good debt, bad debt or risk and reward, all the concepts we teach. Maybe that's good because maybe you're going to go away and do some research and learn properly. What we know is most people don't actually want to learn in the home because they don't want to be getting bad, bad advice. And when we ask them what they want to know, it's actually quite basic. It's not that sexy in reality. A lot of it is just the basic things they to. to and actually, Nick made the point about almost the habits that you create and your, I call it a financial personality that you get. You know, are you generally a saver or a spender? I'm generalising here, but these are some of the concepts we, we look at and talk about. So TikTok, will more people go on to it? Maybe so. I think, you know, I think the, the, the demographics are changing. There are definitely older people also going on it. But there's definitely an appetite to know more. I think that's the key thing at the moment that's important. Couldn't agree more. And often the barrier to financial education is the jargon, the legal terms, the not understanding or being intimidated by it. And actually TikTok takes all of that away by being completely human about it. So, you know, maybe it's a lesson for banks and fintechs is to think about what's so human about TikTok that I could make more human about my offering for my customers. Okay, so we talked a little bit about business model. I'm keen to get your thoughts on whether tipping and paywall sort of features is something that we'll see kind of a gaining mass adoption on on TikTok and other social platforms. We know that TikTok's testing this. It confirmed that to TechCrunch. What's your thoughts on that? Do we think that we can we can see that coming in as a way for content creators and TikTok to generate revenue? Yeah, I think we're seeing that as a big trend now um, among different social media platforms you know as they look to you know monetize it could encourage content creators to perhaps create um, and spend more time on the quality um, of their content um, given that there is that greater facility to provide those tips to creators at any time and uh, not just um, when they're live streaming so could um, help it, it encourage that move towards um, more more uh, a detail and, and quality around the content um, they're producing. I think the challenge with um, TikTok is there is so much information that's provided to you, exactly as Catherine was saying, you get bombarded with loads of information and loads of content. And that means you'll take away some parts and not others. Um, and there's no guarantee that what you get in your daily scroll actually will be valuable to you as, as strong as the kind of algorithms are. So this move towards uh, making sure that 
people can be a bit more selective and and have those paywalls with a limited pool of users might help that um, content be more uh, targeted and relevant for users. Yeah, and and keep the longevity to it as well. There's only potentially so long that the current way that creators make money is going to stay. Whereas actually, if you had the ability to to do that and and take payment from your audience, then perhaps it's a, a much more sustainable revenue model for for the people on the platform. Okay, super quick fire rounds, considering everything that we've just talked about. I'd like to know and bring it back to that uh, initial question. Can TikTok teach us all we need to know about finance? Nick, yes or no, or thoughts in between? Um, I'm going to go no. I think we always need to know more and there's uh, other media that people should be consuming as well. Okay, thank you. Catherine? I think as an educationist, I'm going to have to say no. That was quite quite an easy decision. It can definitely do some, but it can't do all. Okay, Okay, very fair, very fair. And Rajan, your thoughts? I think you can have a full house here. So no from me um, as well. I think, like Catherine was saying, it, it can be a really important way of introducing and engaging people around money and personal finances. But you'll, it's really important to look at different channels and, and get deeper into some of these topics so you get that fuller understanding. Thank you. I, I think I'm with you. So yes, full house indeed. Call the bingo caller. There you go. Uh, All right, that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you so much for joining me. We'd love to uh, tell our listeners where they can find out a little bit more about you and your companies. Nick? Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. This is a really fun conversation. Um, You can find out more about us at thisweekinfintech.com. Thank you. Catherine? Yeah, thank you very much having me it's been really interesting actually you can find out more about my organization at libf.ac.uk and there's lots of links there if people want to know a bit more about the um, research we do with young people there's some really insightful bits of information in there thank you great thank you rajan thank you very much you can find out more about plum at www.withplum.com or you can find and download us in various app stores Excellent. Thank you. And if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, you can get me at nicole.perry at 11fs.com or another social media platform, good old LinkedIn, um, which I'm sure you'll be able to find the rest of our guests on as well. So thank you very much for listening. And if you've liked what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and help others find the show. And as always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media and just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email us at podcast at 11FS.com. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day and goodbye. Goodbye.